This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, September 21st. Brendan, can you believe we are just, we've got just a, a few weeks left in this season? I know. It's it's it's, a, it's mixed feelings. We have two more weeks. We have what is this? Ten more games left. In one sense, I'm excited for the off season. In another sense, I'm sad that we have maybe no baseball for like what five or six months. So mixed feelings. I think it's about thirteen games. Uh, is that what? Yeah, it is? as I always okay. say, leave the math to me. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, as everybody knows, I'm the math guy here. Yeah, but I'm the yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where obviously this season um, has not been the most fun that I've had in my life uh, watching the Cubs. But I've had a good time. There will come a time very soon where you know we're all like, well, what do I do all day? Uh, I want to watch baseball, and the Cubs are here, so. You pick and choose, right? Uh, but we do have a three-game series with the Miami Marlins to review for you. Plenty to talk about. Uh, we've got some guys returning to action, some good performances, not-so-good performances, some exciting stuff going on in the minor league levels of the Cubs organization, as has been the case uh, for the entire year, of course. And we will break all of that down for you. Uh, generally, Brendan, uh, you know, the, the first game on Monday, bit of a clunker, a 10-3 to loss for the Cubs, uh, but a couple of one-run wins on back-to-back days here, Tuesday and Wednesday. Cubs get a Series W. At this point, you know, uh, the Marlins are one of those teams the Cubs are fighting with, I guess, for... Uh, draft lottery positioning or, you know, wherever that might, you know, tanking, if you will. Uh, But nice to see them win a couple close games. And I think a few of the performances that we'll touch on in detail are, are particularly noteworthy and good to see. Yeah, if you like pitching, then this was the series for you. The Marlins have a lot of high-profile young pitchers, uh, perhaps maybe a little bit further along their developmental trajectory in the pitching category. But from the Cubs' perspective, you also saw some good performances. Adrian Sampson continues to look good. Stroman, that sinker-slider combination, despite the two homers, six innings, three runs, he looked good. And then you saw Keegan and Alzelay show up and look good as well. So overall, it was a a fun series and another step in the right direction for the pitching. Yeah. Also have uh, some David Ross comments uh, from a radio interview that we want to touch on a little bit. Kind of ties in, I think, to a lot of the conversations that we've had recently. And certainly, I think, just the overall discussion about what the Cubs are going to do, how this year... Did he say that the Cubs will be getting Otani? Was that part of the uh, discussion? He guaranteed it, actually. He guaranteed it. There you go. All right. Well, Uh, there you go. No, he did not mention Shohei Otani. (laughs) But uh, let's run through this series right quick, set the table, and then we will jump in to our discussion. Monday, as I said, a 10-3 loss for the Cubs. A clunker for Wade Miley, three innings, seven runs, but only three of them earned uh, two walks, two strikeouts. He does give up two home runs in this one. Jeremiah Estrada follows him, two innings, one hit, no runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Jeremiah optioned uh, when Keegan Thompson came back, and I do want to pause here, Brendan. Uh, It doesn't have to be a big discussion point, but I did see some folks wondering, you know, why the Cubs would option Jeremiah Estrada when he's, you know, been so good, especially coming off a a four-strikeout 
outing on Monday. And I don't think that Ross or the Cubs have spoken on this specifically, uh, but I did just want to note that I'm guessing they kind of saw what they needed to see from him. Mm-hmm. And Estrada, even before coming to the majors, had thrown 48 and a third innings across uh, three levels, actually, of the minor leagues in 2022. His previous innings high was 23 in 2021, 10.2 yeah. the year uh, in 2019, 6.1 in 2017. So, you know, for a guy that's had, uh, you know, some gaps in his career, missed some time, of course, you know, there's the, the COVID year in 2020, and then, you know, doubling his career innings uh, peak before coming to the majors. I, I'm not sure that that's what they're doing, but I think they saw his stuff plays at this level. He seemed to be comfortable here. Uh, and they want to get a look at some other guys, I would guess. It, it's fair. I, I, from my perspective, I saw everything I wanted to see. Four seam, phenomenal. Slider, also rated extremely well on the 80 scale for stuff rated as a 60 so standard deviation above the mean for sl- uh, stuff on a slider alone i think this is fine if innings are truly a factor then send them down give them some rest give keegan more innings give looks to other guys get more information and then that allows you to make a better informed decision this offseason by opening day of next year Estrada's going to be in the back end of the rotation or at least get the shot of being like a six the seven eight inning me. guy yeah, sorry, the, maybe the rotation, no. Yeah, back of back of the bullpen, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth inning, uh, being a little bit greedy in the ninth inning, but he'll be a higher leverage guy is, is my take on it. Yeah, I was, uh, when you when you accidentally said rotation, I was like, wow, you've got, my you've mind got a whole is on different the rot- plan. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mind is on the rotation, yeah. Corey. Yeah, um, that's what it is. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to touch on that. I, 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 I don't, I, I just know some people were like, well, why are they optioning him, but other guys with, you know, ERAs a point or two higher than him are sticking? I, I mean, it was weird, right? Like, I did not expect it, but I can understand if that's part of the equation, the innings. Yeah, and, you know, maybe you want to see if those other guys can make some adjustments over the last couple of weeks and show you something yeah, for here. Sure. Um, yeah, for exactly. If you feel pretty confident in what you have in Estrada there. So just wanted to touch on that. Um, following him, we did see a nice inning from Eric Yeoman, clean inning with a strikeout. Michael Rucker gives up a run, three hits in an inning of work. Rowan Wick with a, another struggle inning and inning three hits yeah, two sucks. runs just very up and down for Rowan we've, I know, we've talked about so him before um yeah you'd love to see some consistency there but we have not seen that from him all season so that is definitely uh particularly disappointing I think uh the Cubs getting their runs on Monday via Christopher Morell's 14th homer of the year that's good to see and an Ian Happ RBI double and then in the fifth, it was a Zach McKinstry double that brought in the third run, and that was all that she wrote for the Cubs offense. Two for four from McKinstry, and this one continues to kind of up those numbers as time goes along uh, with the Cubs here, and that is really uh, mostly all of note here for the Cubs on Monday. Tuesday, it was a two-to-one win for the Cubs behind Adrian Sampson, dude. He just keeps I know keeps tossing quality starts. Um, six innings, eight hits, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts, a 3.35 ERA for Sampson. Um, I'll pause here because I don't think we're going to talk too much in depth about Adrian Sampson, uh, but I, a really good stat from Tony Andraki, who's over with Marquee Sports. 
he said, uh, Adrian Sampson has started games this season against Corbin Burns, Jacob deGrom, and Pablo Lopez, that of course, uh, the one in this Marlin series. In mm-hmm. those three starts, he has a 1.02 ERA and a 1.08 whip, and the Cubs have won all three of those games. So yeah, I, we, we've talked about Samson a lot. We've talked about the rotation depth a lot. So I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, but Samson's just one of those guys where like his stuff doesn't jump off the screen. It maybe sometimes you watch and you're like, how is this guy so effective? Right. But uh, like, he's just tossing quality starts and, and more, I think specifically he, aside from like, I think it's like one or two outings, right. When he's been starting, he pitches winnable games for this team. 89 pitches across these six innings. He's fairly efficient. And like when you can go up against aces of other teams and keep the Cubs in the game to the point that they're able to win them, especially with the way that how inconsistent and poor at times this offense has been, like we've said it before, but you have to tip your hat to Adrian Sampson. I mean, he just keeps doing it. No doubt. I mean, he'll be in the discussion too of the of the like back end of the rotation, like the sixth, seventh guy, perhaps. He has phenomenal command. Like for for me, I'm thinking if Samson's part of this equation and if he is starting, that top tier command plus a quality defense up the middle with Nico, presumably a free agent signing at second base, uh, a strong center fielder. Runs should be prevented. His walk per nine rate is under two and a half batters this season, and he has a career trajectory and a career history of not walking anyone. So it is good to see. I think you can at least expect, as you pointed out, like quality starts in the form of at least getting your defense opportunities to make plays. And I think that's what you want to ask for for like an emergency or, or swing starter in Samson. Right. And, you know, as we've noted, he is 30, so, you know, he's on the older side. But at this point, you know, the the other night was his 16th start of the year. Like, at some point, these numbers aren't really a a fluke, I don't think. You know, maybe you don't expect him to be as good or effective as he's been uh, over a longer sample, but it's also not a small one. Like, he has been quite good in a, a good chunk of starts here for the Cubs. Uh, so the Cubs getting, oh, excuse me, uh, Adbert Alzali does follow Adrian Sampson. Uh, we're of course following his relief weapon usage very closely. Two mm-hmm. innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. We're going to start with that when we finish up with this recap. Brendan, of course, is going to take us into the pitch lab. Uh, I'm sure he's got his lab coat on. Brandon Hughes I follows do. his sixth save of the year, an inning of work, a hit, no walks, and a strikeout, 3.19 ERA on the season for Brandon Hughes. Uh, that continues to be, you know, one of those guys that the Cubs have found where you go into next year. He is someone who is going to be in that bullpen. Uh, the Cubs getting their two runs on Tuesday via David Bodie's third home run of the year and a sacrifice fly from the aforementioned David Bodie in back-to-back innings. The finale on Wednesday, a 4-3 win for the Cubs. The Cubs erase a 3-0 lead that the Marlins held in the fifth inning, one in the seventh, three in the eighth. They win this one. Uh, Marcus Stroman, six innings, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. Does give up a couple homers, uh, but all in all, that is still a quality start. Nice strikeout total. 96 pitches, 3.80 ERA on the season for Marcus Stroman. 
And the other big topic that we will be following, as I mentioned, Keegan Thompson is back and he does pitch on Wednesday. He picks up the W, three innings of relief, which is how he'll be working, as we talked about last time, uh, for the rest of this season. Three innings, one hit, no runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Very exciting Mm. from Keegan. So uh, the Cubs getting their runs just to finish this up. Patrick Wisdom, 23rd home run of the year. Nice to see Patrick back. He was in the outfield for this game, so also something to take note of. Uh, They get a run his 23rd of the year. Esteban Quiroz, a sacrifice bunt that brought home a run, uh, a throwing error. Uh, by the Marlins pitcher there. David Bodie reaching on a fielder's choice that brings home a run, and Ian Happ with a sacrifice fly. Those last three runs coming in the eighth inning to uh, win this one four to three. So, Brendan, let's talk relief weapons. Let's start with Adbert Alzali. So, we obviously talked about his first outing attempted this. First inning was really good. Second inning was not so good. He gets back out there in this Marlin series. Both innings good. Two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. So I know when we talked about him the other day, you mentioned that it was kind of an interesting pitch mix from Adbear leaning on the four-seam fastball a lot, which was not something that uh, you might have expected. What did we see in this one? And, you know, just any thoughts, of course, in this uh, second outing? 22 pitches in the yeah. two innings, by the way. Yeah, he, he was showing that different breaking pitch. The Statcast classification for this pitch actually said it was a slider this time. However, if you look at the velocity and the way it moved in that outing versus last year, that slider being classified was about two to three miles per hour slower than his typical slider. So my thinking is it's possibly a misclassification and the movement profile is quite different as well. So it's still unique. He has talked about developing this curveball, this new curveball. He had a curveball in 2018, 2017. This is a different curveball. And before he was injured in spring training, he was talking to the reporters about how he was excited about the development. I missed that, by the way, um, during spring training. I had no idea he was even talking about that. So that's still interesting. The early data, and this is a small sample, and there's going to be some misclassification, but the early data has the stuff on his curveball as average. So 50 out of 80 on that scale, average. We'll see if that holds up. We'll see if the classification irons some stuff out. But it's still worth monitoring in the fact that he's talked, this is now six months ago, about him being excited about the pitch. And we heard Daniel Moscow talking to Ryan Herrera, our guy at CHGO, about at some point, Alice Light developing that curveball. I, I think this might, be it it's different even if this is not going to be defined as a curveball which i give like a 95 percent chance it will be the breaking pitch is still different and worth following up on so uh i think we will we'll, we'll see where they are at wrigley and how outside looks you know in his next few outings but uh behind the scenes i think ryan and i have talked about talking with alzali and moscow and seeing what what the heck's going on here yeah i i whatever they're doing i think obviously you know this is a good time for experimentation and figuring out how this best looks but i it was just nice to see him get that second inning of work and be able to get results again you know i think we kind of figured yeah. uh kind of a tough assignment and your your first time back to try to go multiple innings uh, but i really like this role you know i mean you're 
getting yeah, so into a lot of the specifics and the pitching stuff. I'm going to be the the simplistic take here. I, I just I, I think this is a really good uh, opportunity for Adbear, and I think going forward, uh, a really good role for someone like him. The stuff plays up. And, you know, you just continue to hear the discussion of how teams are organizing rotations, what they're asking for guys that are starting games. You have certain teams that, you know, do much more unorthodox things, you know, using openers. You even heard about some teams doing four-man rotations next year. And, you know, know. look, like, I I don't know... I think going into next year, I would like to see Keegan get an opportunity to start, and we'll talk about him in a second. But, you know, even just seeing him in this uh, multi-inning relief weapon role in this Marlin series and, you know, how he'll be deployed the rest of this season, of course, we've seen him do that uh, multiple times in the past as well. Like, I, I like I like that the Cubs at least have options for that role, yeah. right? And hey, maybe if he's not making the rotation, maybe Adrian Sampson is someone who can do that. We've seen him utilized that way as well. But that is something that clearly the game is trending towards. And it's, it's nice that A, the Cubs are willing to be flexible and try these things out. And use, you know, I mean, you know, Adbert's a high-profile guy in the organization, and you know, to to use him in that role and be willing to experiment with this, I think, is a good sign, and it's a good sign that they have guys that can get results in that role. Yeah, I I think so. With with the rotation and Keegan, he, like, I want to give him a shot too. You have to be realistic, like the the if you want to compete next year. You can't slot in Keegan once every five days. You just can't. He's never done that his entire career. You can slot him in, but I imagine like 150 innings is around his potential max next season, which means you need to fill in six starts from someone else, whether that be Samson or someone else or piggybacking these multi-inning weapons, these relievers. So the way that these guys are going to be used are going to be different. And with Keegan, I don't even think he's a done finished product yet. You saw him develop that slider, which, by the way, is rating a 65 on an 80 scale. That's insane. That's like really good. But the command has been not good. He needs to improve the feel of that pitch and figure out uh, what makes sense from a sequencing perspective. And that does take time. So at this point, it's just about getting weapons, whether they're used in three innings four innings out of the bullpen or used as five innings from the get-go that remains to be seen but to have so many arms like this and now like my confidence with Azalei at least getting a shot next year is so much higher it gives me like a sense of uh like a sense of optimism I'm not saying you can rely on Azalei but I did not expect him to even pitch this year you you, you rarely heard updates so he is going to be part of the equation as well it's just great to see all right so a quick break here from our sponsor points bets this football season points bet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games which means before this ad is over you can place a live same game parlay bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out on your live second half over bet with points bet, you can have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build a perfect live same game parlay by contributing your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with points bet lightning bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on 
PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, wants to help, call 100Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services. Our next sponsor here is Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even that beer sleeve we always talk about. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinking these cold beers throughout the entire 18 rounds of golf. Check out PinsandAces.com and use code CHGO to get 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. All right, Brendan. So let's keep talking about Keegan Thompson. Uh, again, three innings, one hit, no runs, one walk, and six strikeouts in his return from the bullpen. Just really strong stuff. So, um, as I said, I you know I want to get to specifically what he was doing uh, tonight on Wednesday, what we saw from him, um, how the velo was, things like that. But you know, obviously we'll see how this end of the season goes, but I, I, I do know what you're saying about, you know, maybe not being able to be positive that you can get a, a full season's worth of starts, you know, just because it's it's a lot of innings for a guy who has not done that before. Uh, but I, are we in agreement that I, would you like to see him get the shot to be in the rotation? Because that's where I am. I love him as this weapon out of the bullpen, but I, he was I really like the potential as a starter. He was really, really good before dealing with some of that back stuff and, and getting towards those innings peaks. Uh, I I would like him slotted in and getting an opportunity at least to begin the season. It depends who they go out and get, right? Because you do have Strowman, Steele. I do put Steele a notch above Keegan at this point, mm-hmm. given that fastball development. And then Kyle Hendricks is coming back, Corey. So if you look at those guys, that's four right there. I want a free agent. I want a trade. I want like an ace-level pitcher. They, if they do go out and get that, then Keegan's probably in that five spot, assuming Kyle gets the start to open the season. Yeah. But it's not for sure. That's the discussion we have to have throughout the yeah, offseason. I mean, oh, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable it's decision. It's, it's if he's tough. healthy, he has to start, Corey. Yeah, it's tough with you know? Kyle, man. I, you know, I have so much reverence have, but, for. Well, here's 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 like the question though. Like, like Keegan's been great. Mm-hmm. We we know a lot of these guys have been have been great. But if Kyle's problems were injury induced, and if he's fully healthy, then you have to give that track record another shot. Yeah, and there's no question. There's no I, question I, about I, it. I do think that's fair. Um, yeah, it's just you know how do you know that, right? <laughs> well, you got to go out and do it. If, if, if Kyle is your like your fifth guy, right? Or if, I'm assuming he's going to be your fifth guy. That's fine because then you do have that backup. If Kyle is not going to be the same guy he was, or if you want to put him in like a bullpen role, mm-hmm. um, you know, then slot up Keegan and get the multiple innings. But you can still give Keegan 120 plus innings in, in these other potential guys as well if you want, like Wisniewski and Killian if he gets yeah. his. Uh, stuff together so it's all possible they still get a big role yeah that's fair i it it is a little tough it does get kind of tough to cram all this uh together i i guess i'm just weighing you know again as i was saying i have a ton of reverence for kyle Hendricks. you can go back through years of episodes of brendan and i and there's very few you know stronger uh proponents, supporters, et cetera, of Kyle Hendricks and his game and how good he has been in his career uh, than Brendan and I. Um, 
you know, it's just about weighing that balance of, you know, where he was at this year and, you know, how much you can rely on him to come back from the injuries and stuff. And also, you know, wanting to give the potential of Keegan Thompson a shot, right? Like you never, you, you won't know if Keegan can fully develop into that uh, final form starting pitcher if you don't give him an opportunity to, right? So it's just, it, it is a lot to weigh. I was thinking as you were saying that though, just guys playing different roles. What if the Cubs switch things up, right? We see a lot what of teams you use uh, a closer that pumps 102, 103. What oh, if God. the Cubs had a closer who threw 88, right? Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is clutch, Corey, so you never and know. And there's something funny about that, too, because, <laughs> you know, obviously closers have the dramatic music and stuff like that, like Kyle Hendricks um, emotionless sauntering out of the bullpen <laughs> to, you know, Metallica or something like that. It's a funny visual. Yeah, he gets the last down. He just kind of like casually yeah. walks towards the catcher, you know, just high this, five. That's just it. Just loud, blaring rock music. And here comes. Well, now I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, before we get further off the rails, um, talk to me about what we saw from Keegan in this outing. Uh, did the stuff play up? I, I, you know, similar to what we're looking for from Alzali, like we've seen Keegan in this role before. We know he can do it. We know he can excel at it, right? Uh, but, you know, to have such a successful outing, you know, in your, your first time back here after, uh, you know, dealing with an injury like that, six strikeouts and in three innings, uh, 43 pitches across those three innings, just really good stuff from Keegan tonight. So oh, yeah. how is he doing it? Yeah, I mean, he looked, it, it really good for his first start back. The the four seam fastball was averaging over ninety four miles per hour. That's about one mile per hour faster than his twenty twenty two season rate out of the rotation. He threw a lot of curveballs, eight curveballs and forty three pitches. He threw three sliders. All three sliders did get whiffs. The command on his pitches maybe weren't quite there. Like you saw a cutter get a strikeout, but that cutter was left up and away over the plate. You saw the curveball get a strikeout looking, but that curveball was mislocated. It was up over the zone a little bit, but his stuff can be so good that it does freeze guys up and it looks unusual. But for his first start back, especially dealing with a back injury, the first thing I'm looking for is, all right, how's the velocity looking? And you can check that box off. His velocity is even better. Then the second question is, what's his pitch mix like? Is he only uh, able to rely on one certain pitch type? And the answer to that is no. He threw five different pitch types, including those curves, cutters, sliders, and sinkers. And then the last question was, what about that slider? And as I said, he got three whiffs and three swings and three pitches on the slider. So you can definitely tell that pitch is still in his mindset and probably a a point of focus for improvement because that pitch does move so well. So this is a great, probably ideal start back for Keegan. Okay. Uh, That's good to hear. Pretty simple. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm curious to see how this continues to go. I think it's a great situation to be in, just to wrap up the the sort of conversation on Keegan. And a lot of this is, as we've noted, very difficult, right? Who knows how they're going to address the rotation? Do they sign free agents? Do they make trades for people? It's, it's, it's very difficult to try to envision a one through five, at least to start next year without knowing the answer to some of those things. But I think it's, it's a very good position to be in where you know that Keegan is nails in this role, right? So that's the floor of this situation. If they go out and they make enough additions or they really like Keegan in this role, then, you know, that's what they decide to do. He's great at it. He's really good in this multiple inning relief role. 
velo plays up, stuff plays up. You know, we've seen him do it for enough of a sample now that I think we can feel confident that he's really good in this role. If they want to see if he can continue uh, how good he was, you know, for a lot of that time as a starter and see if there's, there's more of that potential to unlock, okay, great, right? It just seems like a really good situation when, like, the... I don't, worst case scenario sounds weird because it's not a bad scenario, but it's like, oh no. It's a high ceiling. Yeah. It's like, oh no, the worst, you know, case scenario is is he's an elite, you know, multi-inning relief weapon. Like how terrible, right? Like that's great. Mm. Mm. Well, uh, for me, I want to limit the volatility in the pitching. So the floor overall for the rotation is is high because you have so many options. You have nine guys I can list off that you're like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. They can go in the rotation. Mm-hmm. But for me, I want stability. I want someone to match Stroman. I want an ace. I want someone you can rely on every fifth day. And in my mind, that has to happen. I think there's a way forward for that to happen. And the rest can play itself out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like like it's a great it's like a great situation yeah. if they go out and make moves. It's not a great situation if they stay stagnant. I think there's a lot of risk if you do that. It could it work could out. But there's be, a lot of right. risk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It, I think at this point, you know, going out again. We we've, we've talked before that this rotation has had extremely good numbers relative to the rest of the league since the all-star break but you know a lot of that is era driven not necessarily strikeouts or things that are you know guaranteeing good results right you hope the defense is better next year but yes unless you're adding to this rotation it could be successful but there's a lot of risk there and it would you'd really mitigate a lot of that and it would have the potential to be a, a really, really solid rotation if you go out and add another one to Otani type arm. Well, yeah. Hey, there you go. Look, we joke about it, but it would be really no, I'm good. I'm not joking yeah. about this anymore. I'm not joking yeah. about this. I want Otani. Let's I, go. Make I, it happen. I can tell that. Yes. Um, I may say his name every episode until he's signed. I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, you better Well, sign. so let's talk about uh, some of these David Ross comments. I just, it feels like a decent segue from that um you know just more more smoke in the fire that I think this offseason is going to be active for the Cubs what that means to you what that means to me who knows right at this point there's so much coach and front office speak and PR nonsense whatever but it's hard not to continue hearing so many people in the organization talk about how close they feel they are, how they feel they're on the cusp of, you know, competing for the division, things like that. This person says they're going to have money to spend. This person says Jed's going to have the resources he wants, right? Like yada, yada, yada. And I know, I know, let me stop you, right? We've been burned before. I, I understand, right? I understand if you are skeptical to trust anything from this organization, but as we've noted, it really does not make sense from so many levels, a competitive level, a financial level, et cetera, et cetera, for this team to continue to not put a winning product on the field. And you just keep hearing this stuff, Brendan. And like some of the time I I hear this stuff and I just think, well, if they weren't going to spend at least some money, wouldn't somebody have told these people not to say this stuff, right? Like they're asking, you know, I, I, that's just how I feel. But 
the the quote specifically, uh, David Ross was on the radio, and he talking about this off season and stuff like that. He uh, and and the connection to the front office. He said, "quote We talk pretty regularly. I think we're all on the same page with what kind of holes we want to try to fill. Who are the pieces we believe in moving forward? There's a lot of those guys in here, and you know, there's also stuff in the off season that's unpredictable and things that you can have one plan, but having a plan and actually executing that plan is difficult at times because it's also the choice of free agent players and teams if you plan on making." trades. You're at the mercy of others. I know they've got nice plans in place, and we talk about putting in the processes that we believe in and trusting those. I think everybody is excited to finish the season as strong as we can and move on to next season, where we'll be where we'll be competing at a higher level. So he goes on to, you know, say, you know, talking about trusting the coaching staff, the players, the organization, et cetera, et cetera. But my, you know, sort of takeaway on that and, and what I really wanted to hone in on was uh, talking about guys they believe in, guys that they think are part of, you know, the process moving forward, and also addressing holes that they feel they have to address. And I feel like it's it's interesting to hear him say that um, because that's kind of what we've been focused on for so much of this season, Brendan, is where do some of these guys fit, right? And especially as we try to wrap up this last couple weeks. And, you know, even some of these guys we're talking about, we're just coming off of that discussion. Where does Adbert Alzali fit? Where does Keegan Thompson fit? Where does Kyle Hendricks fit? What do they think about that, right? Um, it's that I wish I knew those answers, right? But so that's kind of why we focused on so many of those guys, you know, guys like Fran Mel Reyes, uh, you know, even Ian Happ, right, who, you know, has is not in the best stretch of his season, but has, has overall had a really good season. We talk about someone like Jan Gomes on the last episode, whose uh, offense has ticked up and who has gotten rave reviews on defense. I, again, I just am intrigued by the amount of, like, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be trying to do you stuff. You can say it, Corey. You can say they're going to spend money. Like, you think they're going to spend money. It's okay to say it. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm fully prepared to be let down. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, people like if you say, "Oh, they're gonna, they're going to spend money," people like scream at you. But um, they they are, I think, really likely to spend money here. Uh, their projected payroll when you can when you include like player benefits and all the forty man stuff is a hundred and twenty five million. That is a hundred and seven million under the luxury tax for next season. So in theory, based on this, you have over $100 million in breathing room. And that does not include years past 2023 and other expiring contracts, including like uh, Jason Hayward's coming up in 2024. This seems like a no-brainer. Like my thinking is if they don't spend money now, then like when will they ever spend money? It seems so obvious to do it and not even in the way of, all right, let's go out and get Judge. Let's get Trey Turner. Let's just blow it through Mm -hmm. the roof. It's getting volume of players that may be hanging out in like the $100 million range and going out and trading for guys from teams that need to get rid of certain contracts. That's what I mean by that. They definitely have the flexibility to do this and I think they absolutely will do it. Yeah, I I just feel like there's too much smoke on the fire. I agree with you. Like, I don't necessarily expect them to have an offseason that turns them into, 
you know, a juggernaut or, you know, we're having conversations about whether their roster is better than the Dodgers, right? Like, I don't think we're there yet. Well, you never know. Um, But I do think that there's just so much talk about this. Like, they've had multiple people on marquee to talk about the Cubs playing in that shortstop market, right? We just keep hearing this from people. You mean second base market? Not yeah, right. yeah, second base market. Right. Yeah, yes. just making sure. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, whatever. Nico boy over here. Um, you know, I like, again, just because Ken Rosenthal thinks they're going to sign a, a top-tier shortstop doesn't mean that they're going to, but it's just so many people talking about this stuff. And they could lean harder into the, well, you know, we're building for the future, like we're not ready yet kind of language if they really wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of weird like that David Ross would be talking about an active offseason and what holes they need to fill and the front office, you know, making moves. It just you just tell them not to do that if you knew you weren't going to spend money. That that's just how I feel. Oh, I'm the same if, way. I feel the same way. If they don't in the offseason, I feel free to call me an idiot. I'm a mark obviously for this team. I've been my whole life. Oh, I'm know? I'm ready to be let down, but I yeah, mean we we just like, heard they were connected to uh Japanese ace um uh, Sanga. Sanga. Yeah, yeah, I'm like losing all these names. So, I mean, this, this is what you do, Corey. You get Sanga, you get Otani, you get uh, Seiya out there, you know, get Ichiro as a coach. Let's let's just, let's bring all the Japanese superstars in, Corey. It, hey, I mean, you put Marquee Network over there, you know, from a business perspective. I mean, if you want to make money in Japan. about making money, that's yeah. a slam dunk. Yeah, the Tokyo for, Cubs, I think we can call yes, them. Yes, right. Yeah, hey, I mean, it's, it's, that's good business. It is. You know what I mean? It is. Um, and they're all good players, so that that helps too. Um, yeah, I, that's just how I feel. If we're wrong, then hey, so what, right? I, you know. But I just I, I and you know the other thing too is that it's it's a it's a winnable division, right? The Brewers are going in the wrong direction, right? That Yelich contract is just going to get worse. They're looking like they're probably going to be on the outside of the playoffs this year that's you know I think still kind of up for debate as we finish this season here um but you know the Cardinals are probably going to win this division with you know, maybe like low to mid 90s depending on how these last uh you know a couple weeks of games go like it's a winnable division yeah. you should be aggressive and I, I I really do like when you look at this roster I think there is an avenue to making improvements, even if they're not spending crazily, that puts them in a position to be actually competitive, not 2022 competitive, because that is not what happened, right? We, we were told that this team was going to be competitive, and that wasn't even close. I, I really think the path is there. At the same time, Brendan, I don't blame people if you know, exactly that. They heard them say they wanted this team to be competitive. They saw the product and they're like, yeah, okay, Corey and Brendan, like you guys get your hopes up. I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, I just, it, it makes too much sense. So I, I mean, listen, uh, I, if I were betting on this, like I would, I would bet a lot of money. They're going to spend money. It's just too obvious, Corey. I don't think that you can do that on points bet. It should be a points bet prop. Yeah. Will the Cubs spend <laughs> significant money? Yes or no? I would say the line on that is minus two fifty. If there were a line for that. Oh wow. I know. That's where that's where my brain is. We are really into this. But I am. Uh on that note, it is Wednesday. So it is time for the points bet pick of the week. And Brendan, 
if you listened to me last week, oh, boy, here we go. I told you to take the points with the uh, I was going to say San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers, and they covered. I didn't listen point. to you though. It I was bet, close. I bet against you, and I lost money. So see, you don't have faith in me. I don't. You don't have faith in me. You should sometimes, have had faith sometimes in me. I do, but yeah. Um, yes. So the the key takeaway is I'm a genius. I'm very good at this. Yeah. Uh, you should always listen to me. Uh, but I'm gonna be a bit of a homer this week. Um, I I don't like it's the Browns and Steelers on Thursday night football. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Uh, so my points bet pick of the week, uh, of course, you can use that code CHGO when you sign up to risk-free bets up to $2,000. My pick of the week is my alma mater, no. Brendan. On this Have podcast, you heard me say that say before? This. On this podcast, you're doing this to me? Yes. Uh, it's part of our, we're, we're, you know, it's one of our lead sponsors, so I'm happy to do it. Uh, I <laughs> okay. am going to take... I'm going to eat the 17 points for the Michigan Wolverines. I was going to say, you're building this up. You're just, you're, you have all this space before you even say Michigan, Corey. Yes. Uh, at home against Maryland, I, I will take the minus 17. I'll, take, I'll eat the 17 points. I think they'll cover that. Go blue, yada, yada. You guys yada, know the yada, deal. Yada. If anybody wants me to th- sing the, uh, you know, the song, the Michigan they do song. have a great song. I'm, say that. I'm, I I'm happy to do I it. I do like know? that song, but I don't, I don't want to sing it. Uh, when it, it's a good segue because I, I do want to talk about uh, the South Bend Cubs winning the Midwest League Championship tonight. That happened oh, on yeah. Wednesday night. Uh, and in their lineup tonight, going two for four in the championship winning game that they was won, yes. Michigan Wolverine Jordan Wogu. What a transition. Am hail, I a professional? Hail to the victors of South Bend, Corey. There it is. Look at that. Well, see, okay, you get a little tricky because Notre Dame is in South Bend, and we don't like Notre Dame. What? All right. Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to but we don't like Notre Dame. Okay. So that's just how that is. Okay. Uh, it's it, it's tricky. Regardless, uh, that is very exciting, right? Like, winning at the the minor league level you know i think sometimes that correlates organizationally you do see a lot of teams you know like the dodgers minor league system you know is is good right they win a lot of games because they have good players right so that does translate um this is just good to see you know and it's it's a nice reward for so many of the people who are part of the different levels of this organization right um the cubs have overhauled so much of their organization the scouting department the coaching department the pitching and hitting infrastructures things like that and this is a a nice payoff to to win a a midwest league championship uh and it certainly doesn't hurt for everybody who's paying such you know has such a hyper focus on a lot of these prospects that you know the lineup that wins this championship tonight it's loaded with potentially future guys right you got pca hitting in the two hole jordan wogu hitting in the three hole owen casey hitting in the four hole he hit a uh three run home run in this game to win the game um you know like it's this is exciting this is the type of stuff that you want to see and it is uh yeah it's just overall a good thing brendan i'm just imagining i'm gonna say this too probably throughout the offseason but pca center field nico shortstop trey turner second base that is maybe no not maybe probably the best middle of a baseball diamond ever 
Corey. Like I think okay. P- I think PCA is the best defense center fielder I've ever seen in the Cubs uniform. I can't. I I cannot even remember a defender that good in center field. Am I losing my mind here? I mean, the plays he's making is absurd in South Bend. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would have to think about that. I mean, certainly in our lifetime, right? I mean, Corey Patterson. I mean, Jim Edmonds was good, but not at his peak with the Cubs, obviously. I mean, very different. So, right. Um, Albert O'Moore. Yeah. Uh, According to some people, yeah. Uh, Not me or you, but yeah. Um, Hey, I'm for it. I mean, look, you know, this is a a cheap pop, but, you know, has. So you're saying that quality and potentially elite defense is important to winning championships. Is that what yeah. you're saying? I mean, it reminds me of any, a certain, reminds yeah, me do you of have a certain reference time. for that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like what, 2016. Didn't that happen oh. for the Cubs, Corey? Yeah, no, they did have a historically great defense. Yes. Okay. What happened that but, year? Again? But why is that team significant? Well, let me just, okay. Google says, Oh, they won the world series that year. Corey. Oh, the Cubs. right. Yeah. God, okay. We forget that. P- I know. I, I, it's all the time. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, we should look into World that. Series, we correct. were very yeah. forgetful. We forget, you know, we're on here every three or four days, and yeah. we seem to forget that every time. I know it's weird. Right? Yes, the Cubs did win the World Series. World Series, correct? Yes, in 2016. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yes. I mean, look, I'm for that. The thing with the, PCA is an interesting case, man, because he just has mean? the feel of that type of prospect where it, they they could just be super aggressive with him. You know, I, I don't know how quickly they want to move him through the different levels, but like he just has jump off the screen skills in in particular areas he is so fast he is such a good defender and you know obviously you want to give his hitting the proper development and time and not rush him to an excessive level but he just has the 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 makeup to me of a prospect that is gonna move faster than than others because like some of those skills you you need to refine them of course he's young and and some of that stuff comes with time but some of these skills you know speed plays right at any level good defense plays at any level right so some of these skills it's just very easy to see uh, the, I think the organization maybe having a, a desire to get those skills to mm-hmm. Wrigley Field sooner rather than later. Well, double A will be a big test for him next year. In his last hundred plate appearances, his strikeout rate in South Bend has been under 20%. So that's great to see him adjust where it was around 24, 25% when he first came up there. So he has the ability to adapt. Now it's just a matter of, okay, can you do this at the advanced level in AA? And if he does, here's the thing. If he does do well in AA next year, and if the Cubs have a void in center and they feel confident in his mentality, they've done mm-hmm. it with prospects in the years past, man. Yeah. They just call them that's up That's kind of what I mean. Like I can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's and like especially best case scenario. This- if this team is competitive, you want a guy who at the very minimum brings some speed and great defense to your team, like I can see him joining. Like you could even see him as like a race. late season call up just for like defense and speed, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing with Omora. Like that was their intent in 2016, you know, tagged up. He did do that well. So they've done when it. When he before. had it, it always gets forgotten, but he always uh, listened to us waxing poetic about Albert Omora. <laughs> Um, look at us. us. Who would have thought, right? (laughs) Not me. Um, Uh, he did make that catch that kind of gets forgotten in, uh, I can't remember if it sends it to extras or, 
or is in extras. Yeah, in the in the game that I, I, I just black I just Bumgarner. blacked out that game. So because they lose that game, but yeah. there was a few things that uh, Chris Bryant also hits a game tying home run in the Chris ninth Bryant, inning. That MVP nobody that remembers yeah. because yeah. they lost the game, but it was one of his many clutch hits in that uh, 2016 postseason, which again resulted in the Cubs winning the World winning Series. the World Series. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Yes, South Bend, congratulations to them. Congratulations to everybody in the Cubs organization that that puts in all this work. Um, And, you know, it's good too. Obviously, like, it's good to, you have a lot of young players that have a championship mentality, right? You want them to be winning. You want them to be doing well. You want all these guys that you've traded for or drafted or things like that to be successful. And that is what happened at South Bend. So that is all good news. Um, and of course, it's nice to see a Michigan man in the middle of that. There it is again. Just to you know, bring that conversation full circle. Yeah, yes. he's had a great year too. Yeah, um, I do want to before we preview this upcoming series. I do want to uh, get your thoughts on Patrick Wisdom in right field. Um, he comes back nice to the lineup on Wednesday. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, obviously you have Kiro's at second base. Bodie playing third base. So some of this is, you know, kind of just where guys fit positionally. Um, McKinstry playing short on Wednesday, Christopher Morell in center field. So just an interesting configuration of things here. Uh, we've seen Wisdom play the outfield before, of course. That's that's not something new. Uh, and he did make a nice play out there as well, in addition to hitting the home run. Um, but he's, you know, an interesting guy uh, in terms, you know, we talk about those David Ross comments and where guys fit and, and what their role is and how they've performed this year. So with a couple weeks left in the season, obviously he's coming back from from the injury, a 105 WRC plus for Patrick, hitting just 211, 303 on base, 428 slugging, 23 home runs in 493 plate appearances. Um, he's one of those guys who it's interesting where he kind of fits into things. And I think the most curious thing about him this year has been that his defense at third base has been not so great um, in comparison to what we have seen from him in the past. Uh, you can, you know, look at a lot of different defensive metrics and and things like that. But even if you're just looking at like his base fan graphs page, um, rated positively as a defender in 2021, way negatively as a defender in 2022. And that passes the eye test, right? Mm. Um, So that has been a little confusing. So obviously, you know, back here for one game, uh, you know, getting in the lineup there uh, on Wednesday, but thoughts on Patrick Wisdom and and maybe particularly him being in the outfield tonight? The more flexibility, the better with Patrick. His role is kind of hard to project next season if they don't intend to use him a lot at third base. I'm looking at the splits right now, and against lefties, he has a 135 WRC plus in 120 plate appearances this year. Uh, Against righties, it's below 100, so it's possible that a platoon-type situation could work out for Patrick, but the overall bulk numbers, you just mentioned it, but above average, 317 weighted on base average, WRC plus of 104, uh, he has struggled recently. It's likely due to inconsistent playing time as a result of his injury. But also, there's another side to it where maybe a team wants Patrick's value, and the Cubs rather use that 
position or slot for someone else, maybe in free agency, or maybe someone to get back in a Patrick Wisdom trade. So his season has been a huge success because there's value to his role, whether it be with the Cubs or with a different team. I think the Cubs should be pretty happy with the way he's developed. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm I'm always intrigued by that kind of power, um, you know, as as kind of a a depth piece, a guy off the bench and playing that role. I I think, you know, where he slots in going forward here is just going to depend on, you know, what they decide to do with the rest of the team. Um, You know, he's, he's ARB eligible in 2024. So, you know, the Cubs will obviously have to make a decision there on how they want to proceed with him. Uh, not a free agent until 2027. Has options still. Um, but, I, you know, I'm I'm always intrigued by the ability to have someone with that kind of power off the bench or, mm. you know, in that kind of supplementary role. I, 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 it's, the defense thing is a little weird because he had just been so good over there at third base, especially charging in on plays, um, you know, and fielding the ball coming in and making that throw across the diamond. And it just seems yeah, I like don't it's understand not there that. I don't for him that. this year. I mean, his so, arm is still there. It's just like laterally he's not moving as well. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, something to, to consider. I think he's just certainly a, uh, a much easier guy to, you know, justify the low average and kind of being so much reliant on the slug if he's also someone you can plug in there to play quality right. defense. And that's not exactly what we've seen from him the entirety of this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why a platoon role might make the most sense. You selectively match and you just make your roster even deeper. But uh, let's preview this upcoming set against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we have a four game set. Against the Pirates, beginning Thursday at 5.35 p.m., we have Wesneski Corey starting for the Cubs. That will be fun. This is his second career start. He'll be facing the Pirates' Keller, who is 5-11 with a 4.03 ERA. On Friday, another 5.35 p.m. start. We have Javier Assad getting another chance after a rough outing. He's 1-2 with a 3.86 ERA. We have Wilson for the Pirates, who's 3-9, a 6.07 ERA. Saturday, same start time again, 5.35 p.m. We have Oviedo for the Pirates, who's 3-2, a 3.69 ERA. Wade Miley gets another shot for the Cubs. He's 1-1, a 3.48 ERA. Then Sundays, a very early afternoon game, 12.35 p.m. We have Samson getting another chance. Hopefully that quality start uh, quantity goes up. Samson this season is 2-5, a 3.35 ERA. He'll be facing the Pirates Ortiz, who has no decisions on the year, has not pitched much out of rotation, but he only has given up a few runs. Uh, interesting arm that the Pirates have there. Their record stands at 55 and 94. The Cubs are 64 and 85. A lot to look for this series, Corey. I think for me, the obvious one is Wisniewski. He looks so good in his first career start. I want to see how he looks again. The Pirates lineup is, of course, not the best, uh, but it's still a, a challenge being on the road, new environment, uh, getting familiar with catchers. That's on the forefront of my mind. And then give me a Nico update this series. I think that's number two. Uh, How they've managed Nico is disconcerting to say the least, but I would like to see an update there. Then also seeing where Wisdom plays defensively. I think we just talked about the right field potential, the left field potential if they want to give Hap a day off and how they end up using their entire outfield situation in the next two weeks here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, again, with, with only a couple weeks worth left of games, um, you know, you're, you're rapidly winding down the season here. I, this is, as we talked about, you know, this is the last shot to kind of make an impression uh, as we head into the offseason for a lot of these guys. Important for so many of them to finish things on a nice note right, you know, and, and just be able to kind of cap off uh, a good season. You know, you think of guys like Christopher Morell, you know, and, and how he's made adjustments with his strikeout rate. Um, you know, he's currently sitting at a 105 WRC plus kind of, you know, hovering-ish, a little above league average. And, you know, you'd like to see him finish off the year with a, a strong number there. And, you know, obviously all of the, the pitching options we talked about and just continuing to make that impression and make adjustments and see if they uh, are part of those plans that David Ross and, you know, the front office have talked about. So I think there's plenty to to keep an eye on as this, you know, again, this is the last chance for some guys to make an impression uh, and see if they can earn themselves at least maybe not a roster spot, but a contract or uh, a place in the discussion, a place in the organization, whatever it may be. Uh, and also, you know, for some guys too, like the, the Cubs have the ability with their minor league system and even some of these guys that are playing at the major league level, you know, maybe make some trades, you know, maybe build uh, some value if it's not with the Cubs to someone else, right? So an important, uh, you know, 13 games or so for a lot of guys and I think for the organization. So certainly plenty to uh, keep an eye on. But I think that is what we have for you for this episode. Uh, As always, tune in to Cody, Luke, and uh, if the Cubs are at home, Ryan will not be there. Uh, He will be at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. Uh, But Luke and Cody will have you for pre- and post-game needs. As always, we thank you for supporting everything going on at CHGO. We thank you for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will talk to you again on Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.